And we're live. Thank you guys for coming once again. So I had some interesting uh, things to, to look at today. I'm sure you guys have probably noticed the name of the video. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm messing with my pop filter trying to get it straightened out. Um, yeah, so I'm sure you all noticed the, the name of the video is something to the effect of uh, reading ISIS propaganda or something like that, right? So just, let me just give you guys a little heads up on this, a little information on what happened, okay? So a few years back, when ISIS was really hitting their prime, they're just ravaging the area of, of Syria and Iraq and, and, and all those countries in that area, right? And they declared a caliphate, which is kind of hard to explain if you haven't been in Islam, but it, it's kind of like, um, oh man, I know I'm going to mess this up. I know I'm going to get this wrong. So I'm going to do it as, in as basic terms as I possibly can. So a caliph is like a spiritual leader. And a caliphate is the area over which that spiritual leader rules. Kind of like, from, from my understanding, it's kind of like the Pope and the Vatican, right? Uh, or Vatican City. Kind of like that. Uh, but there hasn't been a caliphate um, in Islam in many, many years. In centuries, in fact, uh, if I'm uh, correct about that. I think it's been centuries since there was a caliphate, right? And so ISIS comes in, and they declare a caliphate, and they're using these guerrilla war tactics to just blow through this region and capture these, these cities and everything. Uh, one of the cities they captured was called Dabiq, D-A-B-I-Q. Okay, so when they created this caliphate, Shortly after, shortly before, some sometime in that uh, that time frame, they created this propaganda magazine called Dabiq, and it's kind of like Jehovah's Witnesses literature. It's kind of like the Watchtower in the Awake, except it's written by ISIS, uh, and it's kind of intended to recruit Muslims who are not part of the quote-unquote caliphate. But honestly, a lot of people actually came to the the caliphate they came to that area um, because a caliphate was declared and the Quran talks about it or the hadith some of the writings anyways talk about caliphates and how important they are so on and so forth like i said i'm not muslim i've never been muslim i know very little about it it's i mean usually i can kind of work my way through Christian religions, you know, make some pretty solid assumptions about how they're going to operate in things because I was in a Christian religion and I know how these things operate. And I've, uh, you know, my life's work has mostly been focused on Christian religions. This is not a Christian religion. And for that reason, it's a little bit harder for me to navigate sometimes to get a feel for what they're saying, things like that. So, on that note, I do want to mention one more thing before we actually get into the reading. Uh, here's the thing, okay? 
So obviously, uh, when they say Allah, that means God. That, as far as I know, a direct translation of Allah is God. That's what it means. So when it says Allah, I, I think I'm going to replace that with God. Because hearing the word Allah, um, I feel like it makes us lose a little bit of context for what they're saying. I want to put it in terms that make sense to us and, and not use buzzwords that get people in a certain state of mind. It, it's kind of hard to describe what I'm shooting for here. I hope most of you understand what I'm saying. So when they say Allah, I'm going to say God instead. But, uh, you know, if you guys want to read it yourself, it's on, I mean, it's on my screen on YouTube. So you guys can go to YouTube and, and, and give that a watch. Okay, so this starts out, it, the name of it is Dabiq, issue one, 1435 Ramadan. Okay, so here's the first thing I want to note. They use a completely different... Uh, calendar system than us. Or, uh, they may use the Gregorian calendar, I'm not sure about that, but they use a different year than we do. So they use 1435, and I don't know when that was for us. Uh, sometime in the 2000s, 2010s, somewhere in there. But this is issue one. Uh, Ramadan is their month, I believe. So yeah, they must not use the Gregorian calendar. They use different months. Uh, so anyway, okay. So let's just give this a, a, a quick look. It says, The spark has been lit here in Iraq, and its heat will continue to intensify, by Allah's permission, until it burns through cru the crusader armies in Dabiq. So like I said, you know, Dabiq was a city that they captured in Iraq? I think it's in Iraq? I mean, uh, something else to make note of is the fact that the, the border between like Iraq and Syria and so many other countries in those areas uh, or in that area the borders in those countries just basically evaporated they're almost non-existent at this point because it's such a war-torn area I mean look, look at this picture for those of you who are not watching YouTube right now I'm on page four and five of this magazine Dabiq and it's a picture of a Muslim, I guess, or a person uh, standing there with something like a hijab. It looks like a male person wearing a scarf over their face with just a slit for the eyes and what looks like an, uh, an AR-15, maybe, slung over their shoulder. It's just a war zone is what it looks like. Okay, so let's start reading this. It says, All praise is due to God. And may God send blessings and peace upon his messenger. After a review of some of the comments received on the first issues of Islamic State News and Islamic State Report, Al Hayat Media Center decided to carry on the effort, inshallah, into a periodical magazine focusing on issues of Tawheed. Uh, well, God, this is going to be so many weird words, I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, Manhaj, Hijra, Jihad, and Jamaah. Okay. It will also contain photo reports, current events, and informative articles on matters related to the Islamic State. May God bless this effort and make it a beacon for generations to come. As for the name of the magazine, 
uh, uh, okay, I think that this is a translation error because this word is nonsensical. Then it is taken, as for the name of the magazine, then it is taken from the era, area named Debeek in the northern countryside of Halab, Aleppo, in Sham. Okay, so Aleppo is, isn't that, that's in uh, Syria, isn't it? I think Aleppo is in Syria. That's like the capital. And there's like, it's a, a war-torn area. A lot of really terrible, horrific stuff happening there. Um, I've seen video of, you know, people dealing with the aftermath of some of the stuff that's happening in Aleppo. And it's just genuinely hurts me to the bone to see this, to know that people are going through this. It's so heartbreaking. I just wish that we as a species, human beings, could move past this kind of stuff. We're only hurting ourselves. I mean, there's no benefit to what's happening right now. It's just hurting ourselves as a species. Okay, this place was mentioned, okay, so it was talking about uh, the countryside in Aleppo, the northern countryside of Halab, or Aleppo, in Sham. This place was mentioned in a hadith describing some of the events of the Malahim, what was sometimes referred to as Armageddon in English. Interesting. I uh, just want to point out the hadith is, uh, as far as I know, now like I said, I don't know Islam, I don't know anything about it. I'm sure that there's an ex-Muslim who can correct me if I'm wrong about anything in the comments. I'll pin the comments if you guys find anything I say wrong here. But as far as I know, the hadith is a companion writing. It, it's basically a, a collection of um, of things that Muhammad said. So it, it goes along with the Quran. And there are some hadith writings that certain scholars accept, others reject, and sometimes that's where you get the different branches and things like that. Like different branches accept different uh, parts of the hadith so on and so forth. And the different branches of Islam actually come from, uh, and a bunch of other different branches. There are like a billion of them, right? So as far as I know, Sunni and Shia, uh, the battle line between them is drawn uh, based on a succession crisis, much like Joseph Smith's succession crisis, like who takes over the Mormon church now that Joseph Smith is dead? Is it his son? Is it the previous president? Is it this guy or that guy? Whatever else. So anyway, that's what the, the, the Hadith is. It's a collection of writings. I, I think they're quotes uh, of Muhammad or parts of his life. Talking about parts of his life. Okay, so it says, um, This place was mentioned in a Hadith describing some of the events of the Malahim, what's sometimes referred to as Armageddon in English. One of the greatest battles between the Muslims and the Crusaders will take place near Dabiq. Okay, so in this magazine that they that they that ISIS produced, they're saying that Armageddon is the Battle of Armageddon is going to take place near this city in Iraq or in Syria. Dabiq is the name of it. I'm not sure where it is. Abu Huraira. Wait, 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 wait. I need to get this name right. Abu. Hura-ira, Hura-ira, I, I butchered that, I know I did, I'm sorry, uh, reported that, uh, that God's messenger said, the hour will not be established until the Romans land at 
Al-Amak, or Dabiq, two places near each other in the northern countryside of Halab. Then an army from Al-Madana, uh, of the best people on the earth at the time, will leave for them. When they line up in ranks, the Romans will say, leave us, and those who were taken as prisoners from amongst us, uh, so we can fight them. The Muslims will say, nay, by God, we will not abandon our brothers to you. So they will fight them. Then one third of them will flee. God will never forgive them. One third will be killed. They will be the best martyrs with God. And one third will conquer them. They will never be afflicted with fitna. I don't know what fitna is. Let me look it up real quick. Uh, it's an Arabic word with extensive connotations of trial, affliction, or distress. A word with important historical implications. Uh, it's also widely used in modern Arabic. Okay. Interesting. Mm, they will never be afflicted with fitna. Uh, then they will conquer Constantinople. Okay. While they so this, this bit that I'm reading here, this is actually a quote. Um, I'm not sure what it's quoting. I think it's quoting a hadith. Not 100% sure on that. While they're dividing the war booty, <laughs> well, that's funny. I haven't heard that term in a long time. While they're dividing the war booty, having hung their swords on olive trees, Shaitan will shout, "The false, uh, false in brackets." Messiah has followed after your families who were left behind, so they will leave their family. Uh, so they will leave for their families, but Shaitan's claim is false. Okay, so in this quote it says the false Messiah has followed after your families, but false is in brackets. When they put something in brackets like that, in just about everything, I mean, at least Jehovah's Witnesses literature. Um, it means that they're inserting that word. It was not in there originally. They're inserting it for context. That was what was intended. That was the intended meaning when it was originally written. I've kind of learned to distrust brackets from Jehovah's Witnesses generally. I find it, I mean, putting false in brackets, like false messiah instead of just messiah, that's a pretty big change. That's not like a little thing. Um... I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they would, I don't know, it kind of makes me distrust uh, the writer of this. Of course, I, I distrust the writer inherently. I mean, it's ISIS propaganda, so what do you expect? Anyway, okay, so it says, When they arrive to Sham, he comes out. Then, while they're preparing for battle and filing their ranks, the prayer is called. So Issa ibn Maryam something something will descend and lead them. Okay, so the, according to this magazine here, they're saying that Armageddon is going to take place in a city right near Dabiq, and they needed to have Dabiq, the city, captured in preparation for when Armageddon comes. That's what ISIS is saying in this. And they're saying that when Armageddon starts, this person, Isa ibn Maryam, I guess, they're saying that person will descend and lead the armies. Descend from heaven, presumably. When the enemy of Allah sees him, he will melt as salt melts in water. If he were to leave him, he would melt until he perished. But he kills him with his own hand and then shows them his blood upon his spear. You know, here's the thing. Here's the thing about... Here's the difference between Muhammad and Jesus. The... the 
fundamental difference, okay? Jesus was a hippie, almost. I mean, he was this peace, love kind of guy, you know. I mean, he was just super happy about everything and, and supportive, and he wanted to build people up and support the poor. He wanted to, you know, uh, uh, he, it was just all about happiness. Now, the thing about the Old Testament God is he was not like that. The Old Testament God was all about killing and destroying and hating. He's all about hate. Hate this thing. Hate that thing. Hate this person. Hate that group. Um, commit genocide on this or that group, right? That's the Old Testament God. Now, as far as I know, um, Islam and Christianity share the Old Testament, or at least parts of it. They share the Old Testament. They believe in the story of Adam and Eve and everything. They both do. Um, so the thing about this is, I, I, I suspect that Islam pulled, uh, since they both share the Old Testament, I think that they Christianity somehow went off on a peace and love direction with the New Testament, and Islam stuck to the old ways. I mean, Muhammad was not a hippie. He was a warlord. He was actually a warlord. That was what he was. That was like his occupation. He led armies and killed people, you know. So they glorify that kind of thing in the Quran. They glorify it. That's something to uh, aspire to, is dying in battle, a martyr. It's not really like that with Christianity as much. I mean, you do find a lot of people who are all about hate and death and destruction and all that, and they take all the best parts from the Old Testament to support their feelings on it, right? I mean, you, you do get the guy who will bomb abortion clinics and things like that, believes he's doing God's work. But I think, by and large, Christianity is mostly a peaceful religion. Mostly. Especially since they went through a Reformation. I mean, they weren't always a peaceful religion, of course. There was the Crusades, and they had some really, really ugly stuff in their past, for sure. But they did go through a Reformation, and now they're reasonably peaceful, for the most part. Islam is not. Islam is violent. That is what they're all about. That's what they stand for. That's what they've always stood for. And I don't know if... I mean, it's so built into the religion that I don't know that a Reformation is even possible, like with Christianity. So Christianity went through this Reformation. They went from violent killers to a little bit more reformed and chilled out and nonviolent. I don't, I don't know that that's possible with Islam. I mean, just look at this verse I've been reading. It's talking about Armageddon taking place and this guy descending to lead an army uh, that's going to kill all of these people and everything else. You do see some of that in the Bible. You see a lot of that in the Bible, honestly. But I really think that Islam puts a, a bigger focus on it than the Bible does, um, than the New Testament does, specifically. Bigger focus than the New Testament does. I don't know. You know, honestly, I've never read the Quran. Maybe I should. I've just read bits and pieces like this here. So, anyway, 
All right, let's continue reading. It says, so that was the end of the quote, and I believe that was from a hadith. So this is back to ISIS. ISIS is giving us this information from here. Sak, uh, wait, Sheikh Abu Musab something something anticipated the expansion of the blessed jihad from Iraq into Sham and linked it to, his, to this hadith saying, quote, the spark has been lit here in Iraq and its heat will continue to intensify by God's permission until it burns the crusader armies into beak. Okay, so that's, um, wow, that's fascinating. So apparently that's from the Hadith? The spark has been lit here in Iraq? And certainly not. I mean, the Hadiths are, are, are not even really that old, not as old as the New Testament. I think the New Testament's like, 17, 1800 years old, Muhammad didn't come along until 700 years after Jesus. If Jesus came in the year, say, zero, uh, that means Muhammad came in the year 700 or so, somewhere in there. So it's only been 1400 years, somewhere in there. Anyways, according to the Hadith, the area will play a historical role in the battles leading up to the conquests of Constantinople, then Rome. So the Right there, they're giving us their goal. That's their, uh, you know, that's their goal. They want to get to Constantinople and then to Rome, apparently. Presently, Dabiq is under the control of Crusader-backed Sawat, close to the war front between them and the uh, Khalifa. Huh, okay. May, may God purify Dabiq from the treachery of the Sawa and raise the flag of the Khalifa over its land. Amen. A-M-I-N. I'm assuming that's amen. A-M-E-N. That's like the Muslim version of amen. Huh. They're so similar, yet they're so different in the strangest ways. Uh, Islam and Christianity, you know. It's, it's really fascinating. Okay. So, this next page, it says breaking news. Kilafa declared. Let, let me just Google Kilafa, see what it says. K-H-I-L-A-F-A. Uh, nope, I misspelled it. Khalifa. Uh, is a name or title which means successor, deputy, or steward. It most commonly refers to the leader of a caliphate, but is also used as a title among various Islamic religious groups and orders. Khalifa is sometimes also pronounced as Khalifa. Okay, I don't see the difference, but... Okay, so it says, Khalifa declared. Uh, okay, so I guess this is where they're saying the, the, the Khalif was declared, like the, the religious leader was declared. On the first Ramadan, 1435H, now remember, they have a different date system than we do, so that's, you know, this is recent. This is in the past decade, I think, 2009 or something, I believe. Could be wrong. The revival of the Khalifa was announced by the spokesman for the Islamic State, Sheikh Abu Muhammad al-something-something. The good news was followed by the first official speech of something, uh, some weird name that I can't pronounce. The announcements filled the streets of the Islamic State with faithful joy. May, uh, may God continue to fill the hearts of the Muslim Ummah with news of victory, thereby uh, guiding them towards obedience of his messenger Muhammad. 
Huh, okay. Below are some of the most important excerpts from the two speeches. So when they officially announced the caliphate, a lot of moderate, moderate Muslims, I mean, a lot. there are a lot of moderate Muslims in Indonesia, for example. They don't hate anybody. They don't want to kill anybody. They don't, nothing. You know, they're just there to live their lives and just be normal people. They're not trying to mess anything up or, or bomb anything or anybody or whatever else. A lot of them actually went to that caliphate when it was declared because it's a caliphate. It's, I mean, God declared it. God blessed it kind of thing, you know. So even the moderates got sucked into this because it was a caliphate, because they declared one. So apparently when they declared this caliphate, they... They gave a couple of speeches, and here are the, the speeches. Or here are some excerpts from the speeches. Oh, Muslims everywhere, glad tidings to you and expect good. Well, that's poor translation. Raise your head high for today. By God's grace, you have a state and, a, and khalifa, which will return your dignity, might, rights, and leadership. Okay, so they're saying you have a state and a religious leader. Kind of like a pope and a Vatican City. Oh, God, I know I'm going to get flamed for, for making that comparison. Anyway, it is a state where the Arab and non-Arab, the white man and the black man, the Easterner and the Westerner are all brothers. It is a caliphate that gathered the Caucasian, Indian, Chinese, Shami, Iraqi, Yemeni, Egyptian, uh, Maghribi, North African, American, French, German, and Australian. God brought their hearts together, and thus they became brothers by his grace, loving each other for the sake of God, standing in a single trench, defending and guarding each other, and sacrificing themselves for one another. Notice what they're doing there? They're, they're building people up. They're giving them this sense of brotherhood, this sense of unity. Um, that's one really, really big sign of a cult. If they're trying to kind of inspire this sense of oneness, this sense of unity with people and polarizing them against the outsider, that's a sign that you, you might be in a cult. Their blood mixed and became one under a single flag and goal in one pavilion, enjoying this blessing, the blessing of faithful brotherhood. If kings were to taste this blessing, they would abandon their kingdoms and fight over this grace. So all praise and thanks are due to God. Okay, I'm done reading this for the moment. That's really, really interesting stuff. Here's the thing, okay? So back when all of this was going down, ISIS wanted to make a statement. So they were doing big things in that area. So the Geneva Conventions, um, it's kind of like a treaty that we agree to. Um, and different countries can agree to different levels, right? Uh, so the U.S. agrees to a certain level where we won't torture enemy troops. If we capture them, we won't torture them, for example. Um, if we capture enemy troops, we afford them a certain level of human rights and dignity. And we hope that countries who capture our troops will do the same. Um, but that depends on the country. So if Japan captures a U.S. troop, 
uh, I'm sorry, if Japan captures a U.S. soldier, uh, they only agree to treat them with a certain level of human dignity based on the Geneva Convention level that they signed up for, pretty much. Kind of confusing the way it works. Uh, so we won't attack press, usually. We won't attack medical personnel, things like that, right? We won't, uh, there's a lot of stuff that we won't do like that, that we agree not to do, and we have the expectation other countries won't do that to our uh, troops either. Well, ISIS does not have, I mean, it's a brand new state. They, they never signed the Geneva Convention. They never signed any of it. So they are not afraid to do anything. So back in their heyday, when they were really taking off, when they were trying to make a name for themselves and be as brutal as they could, I remember they were capturing journalists, they were capturing medics and, and things like that, and they were burning these people alive and they were beheading them. And as disgusting and horrific as that stuff is and as unnatural and wrong as that stuff is, I felt like it was my duty to at least witness some of that. I, so I did watch like a couple of videos of them doing this stuff. I know that's what they wanted, but I felt obligated just so I understood what these people were going through, you know. So I understood what ISIS was all about, as horrific as it is, and as wrong as it is for a human to witness something like this, or to experience something like this. I felt like I was obligated to see it, so it was really bad, and, and it's heartbreaking, and I have so much respect for some of the the ex-Muslims that come out of that community, like, um, oh, what's her name? Raif Badawi is, it's a guy. Raif Badawi's a guy. Uh, I have an insane amount of respect for this guy. I mean, he is sitting in prison. Now, he's been sitting in prison for six, seven years. I think I talked about this on the last one. I mean, there's no telling if he even knows, anybody knows his name. He's got, he, he's been sentenced to a thousand lashes. I mean, I've, I've watched video of them lashing people too. Doesn't really look that bad, honestly, when they're, you know, when you're just watching a video of them lashing somebody, it's just like, they take like a hose or something and they just kind of smack it against you a couple of times. It doesn't look that bad, but when they do it enough, you know, say after the sixth or the seventh or the eighth lash, you start getting like really messed up skin on your back. I mean, you'll start bleeding. It's really, really, really bad. Really painful stuff. And they have to spread it out. Uh, they can't just... They can't just give you all thousand right then and there, or it would probably kill you. So they spread it out. They give you, you know, 10 or 20 or 30 or even 100 at a time. And so anyways, yeah, Raif Badawi, nobody, he probably doesn't even realize anyone knows his name. And at FFRFCon, his wife was there accepting an award for him. Um, and then there's, uh, oh God, I wish I could remember her name. 
I can't remember this woman's name. Um, Ianne Hersielli, that was it. Oh my God, I could not remember her name. Ianne Hersielli, she's been labeled as an Islamophobe, <laughs> which is ridiculous to me, but whatever. Uh, not even going to get into it. Anyways, yeah, female genital mutilation. She, she went through that. She finally ended up leaving. I mean, some really, really terrible stuff happened to her. She ended up leaving the religion, and now she's a vocal critic of it. I think she lives in the U.S. now. Yeah, she lives in the U.S. now, I believe. Well, anyway, really, really awful, horrific, terrible stuff comes out of this religion. And I, I feel ill-equipped to help. Like I, I feel like I don't know enough about the religion to contribute in a meaningful way. So I kind of, you know, avoided it for the most part. Plus, doesn't really have as much of an effect on our lives here in the U.S. as it does on, on people uh, living in the Middle East, for example, or, or even in the U.K., in Europe. So I've just kind of stuck to Christianity, but Islam does have its place in the discussion, and I just have an insane amount of respect for people who have to people on the front lines dealing with this. So, anyways, okay. Yeah, that that's all I had to say about that. Really, really interesting stuff, especially, um, you know, the, the ISIS propaganda. I think it's really interesting, and I wish I could give it a read in more detail. Uh, there are a lot of pictures on here that you can kind of go through. Uh, I mean, this is the definition of propaganda. It shows you know, wounded people, dead bodies, uh, just trying to get you emotional about it. Um, you know, people sticking flags in the, uh, planting flags in the ground and all kinds of interesting stuff. It's really, really well done. Really fascinating stuff, but maybe I'll go through this magazine on my channel at some point. I don't know. Like I said, I'm really equipped to cover Islam. Uh, it's not really my area of expertise, but I am glad that we have people out there talking about it, so.